Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. without white folks and be able to raise the question what is it that we're going to do independent of white people it is very very hard for us to envision a world without white people but we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them but certainly when we talk about a future, we have to talk about a future from our point of view and our historical understanding of reality. Hetepu, Yimhotep, Ndamana, Ndamanesh, Nangadef, Majwo, Habaragani, Salbona, Anisogama, Peace, War. Pan-African Greetings family, you've entered Africa's Reascension, and I'm your host, Mal McCasey Tahuti. We're trying something new here. I'm broadcasting over Skype. I'll share <laughs> what's been going on after the apply, which is how we usually start off the show. And the Apaya libation deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our African spiritual forces, and the forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor. Ago, 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 Odomakuma, Inyame, Inyame Wa, Treaty of Poem. Mawulisa, Olorun, Amin-Ra, Beje-Insa, Asasiya-Insa, Abasum-Insa, Abasum-Po-Insa, Nana Sergibi-Insa, Nana Esiketua-Insa, Nana Dadikofi-Insa, Nana Tigray, Nana Tigray, Nana Tigray-Insa, Nana Sankofa-Insa, Nana Kumi-Insa, Kwekufri. Insa, Akonadi Abena, Insa, Asabonta, Insa, Bochawewa, Insa, Taminsa, Insa, Shango, Insa, Oshun, Insa, Jehuti, Insa, Asar, Insa, Segmet, Insa, Nananom, Insa, Manfu, Insa, Insa, Manfu, Abasuafau, Insa, Abasum, Abasuafau, Insa, Yishremo Yansa, Yishremo Ahoden, Yishremo Inchera, Yishremo Sikopa, Yishremo Inquaso, Yishremo Inquaso Abasuafau, Ye Inquaso. 
Asichu, Odomakuman, and Yamewa, and Yame, Treaty of Pong, Mawulisa, Olorun, Amun Ra, Katawakata. Use me and this forum to transmit clear African centered theoretical and practical information so those listening can use it for their own transformation back into the sovereign Africans they once were. May I speak directly to their Sum Sum, their spirit, their Ori, their spiritual head, and their Ab, the heart, which for Kemet was the seat of intelligence. And may these words awaken the long, dormant, and asleep African inside of them. Medasipa, Medasibio, Mo Piafo, Mo Nekasa, Nanano. Yo, Madasi, no, no, no. The Empire libation is an ancient practice that is still done to this nanosecond in all rural traditional areas throughout the continent. Past, present, future become one as those of tomorrow look upon what we are doing now and drawing strength from and doing the rituals of yesterday. Whew, again, welcome family. This has been a <laughs> busy month, man. So yeah, so about three weeks ago I think we did the um standards for being African in Yame and Shay Shay, part one. That was part one. And I have to say Madasi to everyone who's downloaded that has been a, a, a hot one. Um, folks are interested in some standards because, you know, everyone is labeling, oh, if, if it's black, then it's African, all that sort of stuff. Like, no, we have standards. <laughs> and if you're not meeting those standards, if what you're saying doesn't meet those standards, then it might not be African. It's probably not African. You're just trying to make it that uh and so, yes, yeah, so we will be doing a part two and maybe even a part three, depending on how far we get. Um, but, I, so wait, no. So that was three weeks ago. And then two weeks ago was the ABCI Conference, Association of Black Psychologists. Absolutely, positively a magnificent conference. It's It's arguably the second best conference that I've been to. Um, the Sankofa Conference, I'm sorry, hands down, that is the best <laughs> conference of conferences um, that, that at least that I know about right now because they, they intertwine um, unapologetic African-centered workshops and, 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 and talking, all that sort of stuff, with an authentic African ritual to close out the conference. And as far as I know, nobody else does that. Um, now, at some point, if they're still meeting and having conferences, I would like to get to the National African. They usually, last I checked, they have a conference once a year. Um, I want to say September, October, something like that. Um, but I have to check the website, see if they're still up and about. That would be another one that I'd like to hear. Um, that I'd like to witness. But, but yeah, so Sankofa Conference, number one, and then this one, the ABCI Conference, their 43rd annual, was magnificent. They have changed a lot <laughs> in, since in, in the 10, 11 years with the last um, 
ABSI conference that I've been to. Um, and it was so good that had to give an, an overview, had to walk through and share some of the experiences that I had, as well as some of the um, more poignant um, presentations that were given um, with with my blog talk family here at After's Reascension. Um, so you can get an idea of what you missed, but <laughs> so you can also know that there are other serious people out there. I know we get blog, bogged down with all the blog talk confusion that's out there. And, and you know, some folks be wondering, dang, is everybody all this confused like that? No, they aren't. There are a lot, a lot of serious people that are out there doing the damn thing. And, you know, part part of the job of Africa's Reascension is to connect all of us with like minds so then we can move forward and do some stuff. And so now that's so that yeah, that was two weeks ago. That was sort of when my um, phone issue started. It hadn't got as bad as it is now, but that's when it started. So then last week, um, oh wait, so two weeks ago had the ABCI conference, and then that Sunday, like I've been advertising, we do, there was the um, Orisha feast um, by the Temple of Inyame, and that was good. That was very, very good. Um, and and I'll share um, one of the guest star appearances, if you will, um, later on. Um, so I went to that, and so that's why there wasn't a show two weeks ago. But I think I told everyone that. So last week, I was all prepared to do a show, but then my cell phone, like, completely died on me. So much so, when I say completely died, family, I mean, even when it's plugged up into the wall on this charger, it stays on for about five minutes. I even already had a um, battery, and that may get me 10, 15 minutes. And I was like, wow. And so, and then also last Sunday um, at Nation House, they had the 40-day rights um, for the passing of Baba Hannibal Afrique. You know, we did the tribute show on him um, right after he had passed. And, you know, folks were coming back from Chicago for the funeral and everything, so we did the show. And within the Akan culture, um, after the 40th day is when usually you have another ritual for that newly deceased person. So the community can, again, get together and send their energy to help um, push, if you will, um, said individual into ancestorhood status. Um, a universal African precept is everyone that dies does not necessarily become an ancestor. Everyone that dies does not necessarily become an ancestor. And again, I think I, I'm pretty sure I favorited it on my YouTube site, but if not, um, go to YouTube and, and type in Fu Kiao, F-U space K-I-A-U, 
Um, this brother, I think he has a seven or eight part series lecture where he did talking about what is an ancestor and ancestorship and how, you know, the process of that one goes through to become an ancestor. And that's like the first talk that I've heard about it. Of course, you know, with talking with folks and reading stuff, it, again, it's universally African accepted that everyone that passes doesn't automatically become an ancestor. And so there's a process. And within the consensus, after 40 days, the community reconvenes and, you know, goes back over the, the, the life and, and the good things and stuff about that ancestor to help build together energy from our side that's used to help propel um, that person into ancestorhood status. And so that's what I attended last week. And, you know, so so I'm there, and um, I figured I wouldn't be able to do the show, but I'm open on the phone. And so um, a good friend of mine had suggested, why don't you host the show using Skype? And I was like, can I do that? Well, yeah, I'll look into it. And so if you're listening now or if you're going to download it, you know who you are. I'm Adasi Nana. For, for sharing that with me because that's what I'm doing now. I figured out that I could do it, did a test show yesterday just to work out the kinks. And so hopefully um, everything is clear and everybody can hear me all right because um, that's what we're doing now um, through Skype to do the show. And hopefully the new phone will be in tomorrow, the latest Tuesday, and then figure out how to work it and all that sort of stuff. But um, if this is nice and clear, you know, I might just keep doing it this way um, because a signal dropping is more likely to happen than a whole freaking power outage. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so this way might be the more apropos way of doing the show. I don't know. We'll see. We'll let y'all be the uh, judge of that. So I just want to give you some up. So I apologize for not being on last week. have been having some massive, massive phone issues. And all my friends, if you listen now or if you're going to download it, that's why I ain't been <laughs> calling some of y'all back because the phone is practically non-existent or only, like, existent for five to ten minutes at a time. It just drops. All right. So please click all the ads on the initial show page. That helps me out with a program I'm dealing with with Blog Talk. Um, as I alluded to earlier, check out the YouTube page, Af the Africa's Reascension channel. <clears throat> Excuse me. A-F-R-I-K-A-S-R-E-A-S-C-E-N-T-I-O-N, Africa's Reascension. There we've got visual clips of segments of these archive shows. Um, favorite saved, like I said, um, I'm pretty sure I saved the um, Fukia piece so, um, on, on ancestors and the process that folks the process of one becoming an ancestor that's on there, as well as some other real, real good stuff. And then I've even uploaded some stuff that wasn't initially on YouTube, just in my own personal archives. And that's going to continue. I just need to get another VCR to then transfer <laughs> a lot of stuff from VHS to digital 
and then get it up on um, YouTube and other stuff so we can have that information for the community. So, yeah, so Mama Rimba, Amos, <coughs> Wilson, Dr. Clark, and others are there. Check it out. Again, Africa's Reascension channel on YouTube. Like a copy of my book, How to Make a Negro Christian, you can go to um, webs.com. If you go there, you buy my book, sixteen ninety five shipping and handling. You get to pick another one, another book that's listed on the page for free. So you get two books for the price of one. Again, that's Negro Christian, all one word. dot webs. dot com. How to make a Negro Christian. And if you want to know more about that book, we did, um, I think, two shows on it. So it's in the archives. Um, read from it, shared a lot of stuff on the book, stuff like that. So that's there. Other good blog talk shows, um, Pan-Africanism or Parish by Taj Malik, T-A-J, then next word, M-A-L-I-K, Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Powerful, powerful show. Pan-Africanism is the only solution and um, learning more about it and becoming a part of the Pan-African movement, if you bout about it, um, getting clarity on a whole lot of things. That's what his show is about. Powerful Brother, Powerful Show, Thursdays, 10 p.m. African Holistic Healing by Ambassador Asar and Mr. Holipsism every 9th and 19th of the month at 9 p.m. Um, the last the last show they did on the ninth was dealing with child rearing and um the possible psychological effects of beatings, whooping your child's butt. Um, did that come from slavery? Is it something good? Is it something bad? Um they debate the whole thing. I I I'll admit I have not checked it out yet, but I have downloaded it, so I just need to go ahead do it, but it's been busy. This month has been busy. And they've scheduled their show for the 19th um, talking about the Black Buddha. So the 9th and 19th, every month, 9 p.m., African Holistic Healing. And then Queen Fama, the Truth Terrorist, Sundays at 7, right before this show. So Sundays is a jam-packed day. Um, for good African-centered information. And now a sister who pops in here every now and then, um, Sister um, Iya Ajua, she has gotten back on her blog talk um, podium, if you will. Um, and so Iya Ajua, I-Y-A, next word, A-D-J-U-A, and the title of her show is Wahimi Misu Cultural Rebirth Connections. And I think those are on Wednesdays at 4. Well, I know they're on on Wednesdays. I'm not exactly sure of the time. It might be 4 p.m. Eastern. She hasn't um, scheduled a new show for this week yet, but she has some great things in her archives as well. So Iya Ajua, I-Y-A. A-D-J-U-A, Wahimi Mesu, Cultural Rebirth Connections. You definitely want to check the sister out. Powerful, powerful sister. 
Um, I know I'm forgetting some stuff, but let's move on. So, we're going to go ahead, play some promos for some other good shows and some music, and then come back and get right into it. Ah, quit popping up. We'll continue with our special edition Black Psychologist Conference Overview. Yeah, something that popped up on the screen. That's where that pause. Sorry about that. Peace and divine love, family. Do you want to critically analyze African culture from an intellectual, honest, and practical perspective? Are you tired of all the distractions, self-righteousness, yelling and arguing with no plan or solution? Do you want to build on the facts and deal with the subject or issue at hand? Well, come and listen to our nation's ambassador, Asar, make knowledge born every 9th and 19th of each month at 9 p.m. That's every 9th and 19th of each month at 9 p.m. on the show everyone is talking about, African Holistic Healing, at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ambassador Asar. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ambassador Asar, spelled A-U-S-A-R. Or call in live to build or ask questions at 347-850-8653. That's 347-850-8653. Peace. I want you to try and tell us everything that happened. Anything you can remind us. I just want to tell the truth. The truth! The truth! There's your truth, my truth, and the truth. People say one thing and do another. We call them hypocrites. This is Queenie Fama, the truth terror. And that's what I look for. I look for the truth. Join me on Sundays on Blog Talk Radio at 6 p.m. That's Blog Talk Radio at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash queen hyphen ifama. I look forward to seeing you 6 p.m. on Sundays. Come join me. Let's get down to the butt naked truth. Hotep, everybody. I just want to tell the truth. The truth. The truth. And here's another one to make the other man foil. War. Raised on your planet to a cave or a presser. one sentence, the aggressive. Hope you weren't coming, but it seems you made an error. Breaks in the mill where systematic terror has arrived. Quartered by the order. Checkmate, sucker, not a move, game's over. Clock spinning backwards. Many cannot deal with me. A logical man, I'm the epitome. My black folks travel hard with claws and steel. Heart steel to the roar that speaks the deal. Vanglorious, voice of the many. Voice of the many of the man wanna get me. It's not safari, so don't make a 
the move. Protecting is the reason it's a different groove. Sun up to sundown, yo, check the time. Mystic magic is more than a rhyme. I bring a little taste of the unearthed base. Hollow with the truth to bring it to my face. I'm outraged as I write the pain. A sun for sword, Mr. Whip, 12 games any day, my son. I don't like guns. I don't like bones that I step on for fun in the first place. Third base, I'm at home. Waiting for the pitch so I can comb your dome. A brother grand slam, cause a vine like butter. Pick up my monkey and back to the mother. On to the road to pimp the untouchable. The untouchable, doing the impossible. Kill the world of the age it flees. Ignorance speaks that the vote just means. It's time to make a sense, it's time to make a move. Time for the nation, it's time for the groove. No justice, no peace. The definition, you get with a nightstick. Here's a nest on a list. Freedom or death. You step to the crossroads. I did. Walking through the streets with a great war cry. Had enough and not another one died. Not to the rescue, run the path. Bound to the mortals and lead the wrath. Don't have permits and they're taking the bridge. What can you do? What can you say? Life in this world, a game we play. This up to get down, always ready to step. And if they hit me with that stick, yo man, I'll break your neck. I'll walk with the lion, talk with the elephant, pivot like a gorilla. This become irrelevant, and you persist with legality. I resist and resistive on reality. And while I'm booming this, I'm not a humanist. I'm just a pro black nigga, and I'm doing this. And don't you try to prove that you can make a move? Because I'm outraged, devil, it's a different groove. And if you come again, this shit'll never end. And we will fight through time to the very end. You get my point, son? You get my point, dad? I'm going back to your page and I'm quite bad. I do a war dance and cause an avalanche and do the great pimp because I'm a black man. You see, we've been here before. The background then, the pyramid. The background now, the Statue of Liberty. Listen, the mission, black watch. The destination, the crossroads. And all pigs. Huh? Okay. <laughs> We're back. Okay. Um Okay. Um, so yeah. So that was we played the clips of Africa African holistic healing and then we played um Queenie Fama's clip. And then for the old heads here Oh, there we go. Y'all know about X-Clan. I'm going through trying to set up. There we go. Okay. I knew I forgot something. For folks in New York, August 20th, next weekend, from 5 to 9, the Nat Turner Day Celebration. If you in New York, you have to go see this. When it came here to D.C., I was there in attendance, and I'm glad I was there in attendance. It's from 5 to 9 at the National Black Theater of Harlem, 2031 National Black Theater Way. And um, she says that's between, they say that's between 125th and 126th Street in Harlem. Um, tickets, I, I'm pretty sure, have went up to about 20 bucks now. Um 
15 in advance, 20 the day of the event, 15 for student and elders, 10 for children, 5 to 10, under 5 kids get in free, children, excuse me, get in free. Uh, not only is there a play dealing with Bob and Nat Turner, but they will also be having a lecture by um, Baba Mwalimu Baruti out of Atlanta, 16 books under his belt. Um, the one that he's probably most popular for is Homosexuality and the Feminization of African Male. Um, I personally love his Asafo, A Warrior's Guide to Manhood. Uh, more recently, he's um, did Centered, Creating African Realities. Um, and then, like I say, he's got at least 16 books. He'll be speaking. There'll be live performances by African Insurrection Music, um, by Brothers Keeper out of Memphis. Um, they'll also have Harlem's own um, African Insurrection Music Group, United Front. We've played some of their stuff on here before. Um, they'll have other music, theatrical performance, drum and dance and marketplace. It's going to be off the chain. You want to be at the Nat Turner celebration. Again, August 20th, next week, next weekend, um, from 5 to 9 at the National Black Theater of Harlem, 2031 National Black Theater Way. And so if you just type in Nat Turner Day Celebration New York City, they'll have, you know, you'll be directed to the link so you can get the tickets in advance and all that sort of stuff. Let's begin something. And to just give you a not preview, because I don't know if they'll do this particular song, but to give you an idea of the essence of what the play is going to be about and what this whole celebration is going to be about, the energy, I'm going to share one of the songs um, from Brothers Keeper. I guess the disclaimer is you got to listen to the words of the song. Africa's reascension has not turned into a Christian program. Listen to the words. Jesus, where the hell do you been? 
So, yeah, if you're in New York, by New York, close to New York, you want to get there August 20th, 5 to 9. All right, so reading from the show page, for those who missed the 43rd Annual Black Psychologist Conference, you missed a wonderful, magnificent event. Over 500 people attended, some from as far away as Brazil and Cameroon. Tonight, we'll share some of the more poignant presentations. Um, Brother Glenn, Flo- yeah, Brother Get, I'm able to speak in a minute. Brother Glenn Ford on Obama, Brother Ezra Aharon and Sovereignty Consciousness, and my Marimba Ani Visions of African Sovereignty, and possibly a few more treats as time allows. Um, I see the time winding down, so I'm about the treats. Um, now, if you would like the entire talk. On this African sovereignty And we'll go through um, That talk I've put the link in It's again on Vox Union Those folks at Vox Union are about it about it. V as in victory O X as in Malcolm Union So V-O-X-U-N-I-O-N Dot com um, Go there um, And I put the link The specific link in, in On the show page dot com slash question mark lowercase p as in Patrice Lumumba then the equal sign three nine oh five but like I said it's it's here on the show page if you want the entire talk that they had on African sovereignty these are just three of the presenters and I think there were like nine of them um the association also has a powerful committed African Senate sister um, Dr. Tawede Grills at the helm of the group for the next year. So their present looks very, very bright. And even for more information about the Association of Black Psychologists, please go to ABSI, ABPSI. Okay, so I see you can't get cut off even over the computer. Okay, the Skype connection had dropped, but it's back. Okay, so yeah, so so yeah, so again, more information about A B C A B P S I dot O R G. This show will be packed with liberation-minded information, so tell your friends, take notes, call in and participate, download, share with even more friends, and always have African sovereignty in your mind, in your spirit, and in your hearts, so one day soon it can be expressed tangibly for ourselves and future generations. So before we play any of the clips, so again, this was their 43rd conference. And let me just, it was for like basically the whole week, that Tuesday through Sunday. Um, I ain't go Tuesday and I ain't go Sunday because that was more specific, you know, inner organizational stuff, um, higher up organizational stuff. But I was there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Now, some of the dynamic presentations that took place, 
Dr. James Davison did a piece promoting black identity beyond the struggle. Um, Dr. Kevin Washington did a piece on Ubuntu in African black psychology, the core element in addressing the trauma of African community. Um, Dr. Tsogule Rowe did a piece called Obidan B. One person depends on another. An African an African centered cognitive phenomenological approach to psychotherapy. They had um, a big ritual dealing with um, an African-centered rights for people re-entering the community after they've been incarcerated. Um, there was another one on Iwa Rere. Good Character and Liberation Ethical Dilemmas in African Psychology. Um, Dr. Ajwa Aku did a piece on Pioneering African-Centered Psychology, History, and Systems. Um, our own Dr. Tawede Grills with uh, Martin Ajay, they did a piece on Power, Persons, and Community. That one was focused on um, using a con methodology for healing. And I may clear up that audio and play it at a future time because I did make it to that. Um, that sister is powerful. And once I heard that she was going to be the president, I was like, okay, where do I sign up? <laughs> where do I sign up? Um, because she is doing major, major work, again, using Akan and um, Yoruba cultural modalities for stolen African mental wellness over on the West Coast. Um, so now let's go ahead and get to it. The There was a panel, huge panel. It was called the Mbongi Assembly, and it was number two. Mbongi is a Bantu Kikongo word. Institutionally, Mbongi refers to a common shelter where Mbongi assemblies take care of and or address the human as well as material good of the community. Consistent with Bantu philosophy to take responsibility for the community meant to be responsible for lightening the weight of social and economic problems of the people. To sit in an Mbongi assembly was to have one one's eyes wide open toward the secrecy of life and to be able to honestly tell the story of the community. So just, and there's more, uh, but just giving you an idea of this assembly. This assembly was entitled Sovereignty, African Power, and Pan-Africanism, the current state of African people, and the vision for our future. The concepts of sovereignty, African power, and Pan-Africanism are at the heart of the movement for freedom, liberation, and self-determination of African people. Participants in this Simbongi will be asked to speak on how they systematically work towards one or all of these concepts. Moreover, Mbongi participants will be asked to provide recommendations for how ABCI can use their examples to achieve and work towards sovereignty, African power, and Pan-Africanism. <clears throat> 
So the, the 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 people who were here, who were there, well, there were about nine, ten presenters at this Mbongi on sovereignty. And as we've already shared, we'll be talking about three of them. We'll be sharing what three of them had to say um, tonight. And so we'll go ahead and start with Brother Glenn Ford. Um, Brother Glenn Ford, we'll read the bio that's that was in the ABCI program. Glenn Ford is a distinguished radio show host and commentator. In 1977, he co-launched, produced, and hosted America's Black Forum, the first nationally syndicated black news interview program on commercial television. And and as we know, if it's still on now, it's been totally hijacked <laughs> with with a lot of Negro talking ideas. But he initially started it, and it started. It seemed like it started out good. And I've seen some more of the recent ones, and I'm sure he <laughs> distances himself from it based on what they talk about now. Anyway, in 87, Ford launched Wrap It Up, the first nationally syndicated hip-hop music show broadcast on 65 radio stations. He co-founded The Black Commentator in 2002, and in 2006, he launched The Black Agenda Report. He is also the author of The Big Lie. An analysis of U.S. media coverage of the Grenada invasion. He's a founding member of the National Association of Black Journalists. He's on the board for the National Alliance of um, Third World Journalists, a media specialist for the National Minority Purchasing Council, and he's spoken at tons of colleges and universities. Um, what m most folks are m most immediately knowing him for is his Black Agenda report and for his um, scathing but fair critiques of Obama, a black man critiquing another black man. However, the, 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 the passion and the um, research that he puts behind it is unparalleled. So he's not just shooting stuff out his you know what, he backs it all up with the data, with folks' own words and everything like that. And so this particular message was directly dealing with Obama and the crisis of black people and black leadership to um, properly Obama and ask for all that sort of stuff. And what he says is very, very interesting. It's 10 minutes long, so um, sit back. Um, hopefully you got your pen handy. You can take notes. Um, and, 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 you know, maybe call in if you got issues with it or if you agree with it. Um, but this is Brother Glenn Ford on Obama and the crisis of African leadership. Um, in under the Obama reign, basically. Bow to the people. Uh, I'd like to say that it's a real honor to be able to address the uh, Association of, of Black Psychologists. I, I can't think of a more appropriate organization uh, to talk about the subject that I'm going to discuss uh, tonight, and that is the profound political 
crisis that is gripping black America. I believe that we are in the deepest political crisis in black American history right now. I believe that at the core of this crisis, we have a psychological crisis. So this is a good place to talk about the crisis. Uh, just a few days ago, President Obama asked us to go back to the age of Eisenhower. He said that it is eminently reasonable to shrink the size of the federal government down to a level in which it spends less money than it did under President Eisenhower. Now, that should have been a shock, and it should have been an outrage to any progressive thinker. It especially should have been shocking and outrageous to black folks, because blacks are consistently the most progressive political constituency in the United States. Here we have the first black president asking us to jump into his time machine and take a trip backwards to the 1950s. Not the 80s, not the 70s, not the 60s, but all the way back to the 50s. Now that should have sounded ominous and threatening and frightening, especially to black people. We know what the 50s really were like, and it wasn't uh, the world of, of uh, leave it to beaver. And I wonder what black people would say if some white man had said that it's time to go back to the 50s. We'd all be talking about it today. We're talking about going back to an era before the great society, before Medicaid, before the huge expansion of education, before our people's freedom movement that made the United States a little bit more civilized. But Obama goes on national television and he brags that his plan for the budget would take us back to the spending levels of the 50s under Eisenhower. You would have expected that black people would be upset. Is this Obama's answer to the Republicans on the debt ceiling to go back to the 50s? But black America was not upset because those words came out of Obama's mouth. And that represents a crisis, that we were not upset. That silence amounts to a self-nullification, and it guarantees that we will slide backward towards 1950. The political crisis really consists of our collective inability to defend ourselves or to defend our children against power when power has a black face. Here we are in an economic situation that has already set us back 25 years or more. And all we can do is worry about how Obama is doing. He's not worried about how you're doing. And he wants to take us back to the 1950s. That, in a nutshell, is our political crisis and it prevents us from mounting any kind of fight to get us out of our economic crisis. Just this week, we learned how much ground we have lost and in such a short time. Since 2005, blacks have lost 53% of their household wealth, which wasn't much to begin with. 
The median black household now has one twentieth of the wealth of its comp comparable white uh, household. Half of black households have no wealth at all or have negative assets, which means they have less than nothing. In 2005, only about 9% of black folks owned any stock, but of that 9%, by 2009, they had lost 71% of the stock. Bye-bye, black capitalism. White people who own stock only lost 9% of their stock. But all Obama has to say is that a rising tide lifts all boats, when in fact we are shipwrecked and the tide is drowning us. We still make no demands on power because that might embarrass Barack Obama. And that is our crisis. And there's never been a crisis like it. There has never been a time, not just in my lifetime, but in black folks' experience here in North America, that we did not make some demands on power until now. That's how you know that we're in crisis. It's worse, however, than just that. That is bad enough, but it's worse than that. The numbers that I was citing to you uh, come from the Pew Center for uh, Social Research. A year and a, half, a year and a half ago, that was in January of 2010, the same Pew Center for Research did a national survey on how Americans thought they were doing economically. The week that the survey came out, black unemployment hit a 25-year high. And we know from the data that I was uh, citing just a little while ago that black households had just lost more than half of their wealth. But the Pew poll showed that blacks were more optimistic about the economy than any other group in the United States, even though we were hurting from that economy worse than any other group in the United States. But the Pew survey finds that we are the optimistic ones. And even though blacks had just suffered the worst five years on record and had lost vast amounts of ground relative to whites, 56% of the blacks surveyed by the Pew poll thought that the gap between blacks and whites had narrowed. Now remember, that survey was taken in late 2009. That's important. 39% of blacks thought that black people were better off than they were 10 years ago. And that was absolutely untrue. It was the opposite. It was in the late 1990s that black folks narrowed the gap uh, between black and white earning power uh, more than any time in our history. So we were better off by far uh, in the 1990s than in 2009. But black folks thought that we were better off in 2009. Blacks in late 2009 were a lot more optimistic about the economy than they were in 2007, more optimistic about the economy in 2009 than they were in 2004, when in fact blacks were much worse off in 2009, worse off than we had been in at least 25 years and probably longer. There is only, only one explanation for that vast chasm between the actual black situation in 2009 and black perceptions of what their situation was. 
The only reason was Barack Obama was in power. That is what skewed the whole perception up, turned uh, 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 black realities upside down in people's minds. The very presence of a black man in the White House has caused large numbers of black people to lose contact with reality. This can't be described as simple denial. It's really a kind of mass delirium that prevents many black people from seeing the world as it actually exists. It prevents folk from seeing the evidence of their own eyes and hearing the evidence of their own ears. The calamities, the catastrophes that have beset most black families in one way or another in the last five years do not somehow exist when compared to the reality of a black man in the White House. Uh, this this, this is, a, is, is a delirium. And that is far too high a price to pay for the racial prestige of having a black face in the highest place in the land. It is literally driving our folks to a kind of mass insanity. We are already losing almost everything, and some of us are losing our minds. Thank you. So again, that's what <laughs> Brother Glenn Ford was dropping at the ABCI conference. And and again, I don't know if y'all was taking notes, but I guess within that week of the conference, July 26th through 31st, y'all president um, had made the statement that he wants to take the U.S. Um, economic spending levels back to the 50s back to the time of Eisenhower and and Baba Ford, you know, he he just broke it down. He was like <laughs> he's like he oh Obama don't want to take us back to the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. He want to take us back to the 50s. And and he tried to put it in the context. You can't just do that economically. You talking taking us back, you got to look at the whole social structure of that time. And and he raised the magnificent point what if a Caucasoid, that's my word, Glenn didn't say that, that's my word. What if a Caucasoid would have said that, let's take America back to the 50s? Black folks would have lost their minds because then the social context would have came in mind. That was before the Panthers, before, you know, um, Ram, that was before... Um, um, why is my mind going blank now? That was before SNCC. That was before Kwame Ture. That was before all of that. That was, I mean, really back to the 50s? You know, we need to revive the, 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 the 60s in a better, in a more, you know, more information-based context now that we have more information. But reviving the essence of, that's what we need to be reviving. Not taking us back to the fifties. Um, what else did he mention? The, the 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 huge thing was the 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 poll that he kept going back to. The perceptions of economic betterness, the perceptions that black folks had versus the actual numbers. 
And he was like, 56% thought that, that the economy was better. 39% of black folks thought that they themselves were doing better. But the actual numbers in 2009, like you said, 25, the, 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 the blacks were unemployed at an all-time high looking at it from a 25-year period. 2009, the employment was a lot higher than 25 years ago. Um, he made the mention of um, 9% of the black folks that had stocks lost 71% of value in those stocks. 71% loss versus white folks lost only 9% of their stocks. Um and then then usually you always have someone or some organization making a demand on power, whether it was King, whether it was Fannie Lou Hamer, you know, it, it, back back in the day it was Garvey that was de- that was doing a demand to the greater, you know, um Caucasoid majority on you need to do something. The Panthers, a whole bunch of folks. Nobody is basically saying a peep because you got somebody that looks like us in the office and what they say, we don't want to embarrass them and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it it's a great conclusion. He said, it's not really denial, but it's a mass delirium. I have got into some heated discussions with folks on looking at and critiquing Obama. Um, I know other people who have actually lost friends <laughs> based on critiquing Obama with their friends. Um, uh, a, a brother who was at the same panel, he was talking about um, folks was actually getting into physical fights. This is a brother from Cameroon. Folks are getting in actual physical fights over folks critiquing Obama. And and um, today was the um, Garvey Day celebration here in D.C. And so I went and um, brother, um, I'm forgetting his last name, but brother Umar, he was the keynote speaker. And he was talking about, you know, the, 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 the folks on the continent are even more hyped and quote unquote crazy over Obama than even we are over here. You can't, you can practically tell nothing to nobody on the continent that's anti-Obama versus over here, we're at least carving out a little small space, but it's a small space. <laughs> but 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 it, it, at least it's there. On the continent, they ain't even trying to hear it. And so the, the brother who spoke at this panel, he was talking about he saw actual physical fights over folks trying to critique Obama. So white folks, I, I, I don't know if y'all can hear this, but I'm applauding y'all. When y'all decided to pick a black person to be president of this country, y'all y'all knew what y'all was doing. That that evil genius reared its head. Um, I still I'm gonna say this publicly. I still don't know if Malik Zulu Shabazz and if Leonard Jeffries have gotten their heads screwed on straight and jumped off of the Obama bandwagon yet. 
because they were on the for Obama side during the Great Harlem debates, and um, and I don't know if it's ego this this that's keeping them on on that for Obama side, or 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 if they not seeing the same type of information that Glenn and Mama Remba and other folks are seeing, or I don't know, but. Um, we should all be taking notes and names of everybody who was down for Obama, black folks. And once this four or eight year experiment is over and we are no better off for the experiment, we need to have somebody go to the lecture Whenever they, you know, when they'll be speaking in the future after it's all said and done, and just raise the question: What in the hell were you thinking when you were backing Obama? Did you forget about the white power structure? Did you forget that Caucasoids are not going to put anybody in power that's seriously going to challenge their power? Even in my newsletter, African World Analysis, I, I peeped this long time ago, and I did a piece. And I'm trying to pull it up now. And one of the quotes, one of the main quotes that had to do a pull quote of, the oppressed fight is to free himself from his oppressor, not to integrate with him. Let me repeat that. The oppressed, those folks who are oppressed, our fight is to free ourselves from oppression. Not to integrate with him, and 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 totally forgotten that before the sixties we knew that. After the sixties, it seems like eighty percent of the struggle has been to get white folks to understand us better, to get white folks to let us into their stuff, to get white folks to do blank. You see the problem with that? To get white folks to do versus us building for self versus us establishing our own stuff. The totality of the struggle for too many of us has been getting Caucasoids to do whatever the hell is going to come, whatever the hell the rest of the sentence is, getting them to do something. The real nationalists, the real Pan-Africanists, the real African-centered folks need to take reins of the movement back and get back on the ball of building up our own nation, linking it to what we will build in Africa and get this global thing set up off and popping. So, yeah, the time is winding down. I could keep going on and on about that. But some of us lost our damn minds with this Obama thing and have still lost it. Ah, peace, Anubian. Thanks for your support. So, yes, so that's what Brother Glenn Ford had to say. So now I'll do another quick nine-minute clip from Brother Ezra. Aharon. 
Um, he's the author of two books, um, Pawn Sovereignty and Sovereignty Evolution, Sovereign Evolution. And I'll admit, and and I told him that because he was there and I bought the book. <laughs> I told him I was like I I, I knew I've known about your book for a few years and I slept on it um, for you know a whole bunch of different reasons. But any book that Mama Marimba Ani endorses and backs, I have made it my mission to try to get a hold of it. And so far, every talk that I've ever heard her speak on speak where she's recommended a book, I have gotten that book. And so we'll be hearing from both of them. But in her talk, she highly recommended this brother's book, um, specifically the new one, um, Sovereign Evolution. And she pulled some quotes and stuff and read from it. And I was like, all right, yeah, I got to get this. And so I got it, and I'm reading it. And it's possible in year two of Africa's Reascension, we will walk through that book because his focus is on creating a sovereignty consciousness. He he tells you up front, this particular book is not about the nuts and bolts of how to become sovereign. I think he's created a think tank for that. And you can, you know, c- contact him and, and and hash out those type of details. But before you can even talk about hashing out those details, you need a sovereignty consciousness. And, oh, yeah, I'm glad. Let me, because another brother mentioned this to me earlier. This book is not about the Moorish trick bag of individual sovereignty. And and my friend today at the Garvey Day, he was like, that's why he um, – slept on the book when he saw it because he just thought it was some more of that Moorish stuff. And this ain't got nothing to do with that. This is creating a consciousness to begin to think about being a sovereign people as a nation. Not about that individual sovereignty and blacks law and all that crap. No, that ain't got nothing to do with what this brother is talking about. So, Again, he was at the Mbongi, the Sovereignty Conference, the Sovereignty um, Panel at the Black Psychology Conference. And here is what he had to say. Some very interesting stuff. Thank you, Brother Mark. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, Greetings to everyone. I greet you all in peace and black power. Good to see so many faces. I just want to say, first of all, the remarks that I make, I make no disclaimer. They are my own remarks, and I believe in them wholeheartedly. Just to give you a brief background, uh, I spent most of my adult life living and working in West Africa. I had the opportunity to go to West Africa at a very young age, uh, shortly after I graduated from college. And it's through my African experiences that I came to encounter what, I recognized was the highest level of responsibility and accountability that a people could undertake, and that is self-government, and that is recognized through the form of sovereignty. One of the things about sovereignty is that you don't see sovereignty. You see the products and byproducts of sovereignty. You see the expressions of sovereignty, because sovereignty 
is internal. It incubates in thought. In my work, uh, I've written two books, one, Porn Sovereignty, the second book, Sovereign Evolution, which I deal with the consciousness and concept of sovereignty from an African perspective. And what's important to understand, because you can't see or touch sovereignty and it's internal, that it, it becomes, it is a psyche. And so uh, Mark sent me uh, uh, a question that said, to speak somewhat to the effects of psychological sovereignty. But what I did is I rephrased the, the term and rephrased the question to, to say sovereign psyche, what is important about a sovereign psyche? And you have to understand that without such a consciousness, your clarity about what it means to be free begins to be real foggy. Because if I ask here, by show of hand, how many of you would say you're free? Raise your hand. Most people did not raise their hand, which means that whatever definition you have of freedom, you don't feel that it's being properly expressed. And so what I argue and what I say is that internally, a lot of us, we have sovereign aspirations that have not fully been expressed or talked about. And so it's not every day that you have gatherings of black people speaking about sovereignty. You could go across the country to various conferences, black people, PhDs, all walks of life, government officials, and you'll never hear the word sovereignty. And we'll critique our predicament all day long and never consider for a brief moment that our absence of sovereignty may be a root factor as to why we become so fragmented and why our children can't escape the urban avalanches that are befalling them every day, guns, gangs, drugs, drive-bys, dropouts. We're unable to solve the problems because somewhere along the line we felt as though we've embraced a form of freedom that works for us. And what I say is that the sovereign psyche is absent, and without it, we'll continue to face the difficulties. Now, let me say this so we'll all be on the same page when I, when I talk about sovereignty. What I use is a definition from the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, which states that sovereignty is a modern-day political notion of authority that's expressed in political institutions and political thought. Now, when I meet people and they say, hey, brother, what are you talking about? Sovereign? We, we can't be sovereign. We don't have a military. We need land. But these things, again, are products of sovereignty. No one starts out with a military. Hmm. I had an encounter, and other than passing, this was my first real encounter with the concept of sovereignty, with the word sovereignty that had a lasting impact. At a reception, I once heard a Chinese diplomat say that the sovereignty of China is supreme. And it backed me up a minute. This was in the early 80s. I'd never heard the term expressed like that before. And there was no Google at the time, so I couldn't go and research it. So I'm trying to find out what did he mean by this sovereign thing. And then come to find out some years later, I read in the paper 
that another Chinese official made the same remark and used the same sequence of words of sovereignty and supreme in China. And what I found out was that that's part of the ideological makeup of their thinking. That's what they believe. And because they believe it, they've developed a way of life that expresses that supremacy, that makes them feel as though their way of life is the best way of life, the sovereign psyche. Now, one of the main premises that I've developed, and this has to do with how we frame our historical past when it relates to slavery, you know, what happened to us is not that we were just denied and deprived of, of freedom. That's a pat that's passe, that's a past argument. People always say, Well you get in get in get out of the past. You stuck in the past. But what enslavement did is that it disinherited us and dispossessed us of our sovereignty and our sovereign rights to exist. That's the current effect. What has happened is we've become an unsovereign people. And unsovereign people pay unsovereign consequences. Mm. Whether it's the people of Tibet, whether it's the Palestinians, whether it's us. Five minutes. We pay unsovereign consequences. Sometimes the consequences are seemingly small and non-consequential in the short term, like paying taxes to send your children to a school where they don't teach your children about your history. Well, sometimes it can be catastrophic and mind and, and soul altering like Katrina. But in any way, in any fashion, you're gonna pay on sovereign consequences. You're gonna have a government where you don't have adequate representation whereby the number of senators, black senators, is zero, and we tolerate it. But yet we say at the same time that we're free. And so when one begins to understand sovereign perspectives, it takes a realization that no one owns you, that as a people, you have the sovereign right to exist. And what has happened to us is we've accepted a form of freedom in the states of civil rights, integration, and citizenship, which is very much dissimilar from the freedom that Euro-Americans received after independence, when they fought the war, the Revolutionary War. They received sovereignty, independence, and statehood. I say that the dissimilarities between those two concepts of freedom is the most consequential and the most devastating differences between the freedoms that we have and causes the problems that, that we have as a people. That we expect to get certain results from civil rights integration and citizenship that can never be forthcoming because sovereignty, independence, and statehood is the pinnacle of all freedoms. And unless we begin to debate, decipher, and try to come to terms with a state and a form of freedom that applies to us where we can self-determine and self-interpret who we are, 
then we'll continue to be political sharecroppers of a people who intentionally enslaved us, who intentionally desired that we should never become sovereign again. So with that, I'm going to end. My, my time is up. Thank you very much. You don't see sovereignty. You see the products of sovereignty. So it's not even about getting land first. It's not even about getting the military first. It's about getting a sovereignty consciousness first. It must take root internally before it can ever manifest externally. Now, you know, here at Africa's Reascension, um, that's always <laughs> some way, shape or form on my on my mind how how to get how to you know, how to work together. And hearing going to this talk and then getting this book and been reading it, it's been on my mind now even more. And and um you know, working on another piece to address how we're not we, we we the majority of us do not have a sovereignty consciousness. As sad as this is to say, the majority of us who call ourselves nationalists, pan Africanists don't have and pro black don't have a sovereignty consciousness. I've even found out that some folks that throw around the African centered phraseology doesn't have a sovereignty consciousness. And so again it it keeps always going back to a small few, a small group of folks that are talking about because it's not even just nation building. Because I, on different shows, I've heard folks talking about creating a nation and creating a constitution and getting land and all that sort of stuff. But when I'm thinking sovereignty, autonomy, I'm thinking we are using our culture as the foundation to build up our nation. We may have to do certain things temporarily to get a jump start to get stuff going, but it's not going to stay that way all the way. We're going to eventually divest ourselves of these other things and move fully culturally within the nation. But in these other discussions that I'm hearing from some other folks that's at least talking you know, that's one good thing at least, that there are other folks that are at least talking about nation building. But then some of those folks haven't added in the cultural piece and aren't really looking at being sovereign. It it it, it, it seems like some of these folks just want to be a black owned excuse me, a black operated colony of the United States. 
or of white folks. That's what it seems to be. Person X will be the chair or the president or whatever. They will be the go-to person. They'll be the liaison between this newly created black nation and white folks. Because all of the talk of the stuff within this nation that folks are talking about isn't changed one whit from American reality, Caucasus reality. That's not a sovereign consciousness. As he said, the sovereignty psyche is absent from African people. And and right when that conversation started, and it's interesting, nobody mentioned it during that whole four hours. You know, I guess folks can't think of everything, but I know one of my favorite Dr. Clark quotes just came up, especially when he was speaking and then Mama Rimbo speaking was when he said, and this is a paraphrase, but one of the biggest things that we have lost during enslavement was the concept of nation management, nation maintenance, nation creation. We have lost that concept. And and those words couldn't be any truer than in 2011 Gregorian calendar when you got 97% of black folks voting for Barack Obama as the head of this wicked nation called America. And 80% of that 97 are, are, are thinking that the totality of the struggle is now over. We've reached the pinnacle. There's nothing else left to fight for. So please, um, Google his name or Google um, Sovereign Evolution, and I put his name on the show page, Ezra Aharon, this book. Um, if you already have a sovereignty consciousness, it's it's a good book because he walks, it's still a good book because he walks through and dismantles a lot of these um, arguments that folks throw around as far as the civil rights um, how do I want to phrase it? That he he, he dismantles um, a lot of the freedom discussion. He, he he sort of hinted at one of his chapters as far as how black folks define freedom as being integrated with white folks, <laughs> but when whites was fighting whites to create America, they got sovereignty, independence, and nationhood. And that's that was their definition of freedom, and that's what they moved on. And for us, we just wanted integration with white folks, and that's our definition of freedom. Right now, still to this day, <laughs> Sovereign Evolution, Ezra Aharon, A-H-A-H-A-R-O-N-E. You want to get this book. Um and and if you don't have a sovereign conscious, you should get the book so some of your arguments that you're used to using around your group of friends that agree with you will be challenged. And then you can come back on the show when we do our talk about it, and then we can, you know, discuss those things further. But anyway, you yeah, that's a great book to get. Now, I need to shut up because this Mama Rimba piece is 28 minutes. And it's powerful, and she's using African concepts, 
And we may have to come back to this again and then just walk through it and break it down. Because if you know Mama Rimba, she she packs a lot in with what she does. And, and you got to go through it sometimes with a fine-tooth comb. And And this is not an exception to that either. The title of it was So Die, Visions of African Sovereignty. S-O-D-A-Y-I, and she'll break down what that term is if you're not familiar with it. But um, this is uh, Mama Rimba's presentation for the 43rd Annual Black Psychology Conference um, during the Mbongi Assembly on Sovereignty and African Power. Kiambote. I'm greeting you in the, that's Kikongo, and Tata Fukiao um, needs our strength at this point, and he has given us so many concepts, Mbongi being one of them. I work with um, young people, and in the African Heritage After School Program, and we had a discussion, uh, these are 9 to 12-year-olds, and I was talking to them about sight and vision, asking them what was the difference um, and some things about it, and they talked about it. And uh, I asked them at one point, is, is vision real? Is, it, is what you see real? And their answers all kind of came together and they said may not be real but it can be real if you make it real now this was from these 9 to 12 year olds vision is real if you make it real what I'm going to do is to use a, a paradigm of knowledge growth, knowledge development, movement towards deep thought, towards African deep thought. Now I'm going to use that from the Dogana people. And so I call this Sodai, the vision of African sovereignty. I'm going to move kind of quickly. It begins with Jerry So which is translated word from the front. Oh, I wanted to say before this, uh, people who are sitting right behind this great big thing here, you want to move? Can you see? Can everybody see this? You're going to really need, well, you got to move. Please. Madasi. You can see? Okay, good. So it's word from the front. Can you hear me? Should I turn the... You're all right? Good. Um, it's a simplistic mentality. I think we might turn it down a little bit, the music. I don't know how to do that. Um, and really, the European worldview kind of stays at the level of Jiri So. What Jiri So does is it talks about the facts. And if you really think about a fact, it has no meaning. 
So they say at the level of what you see is what you get. A literal interpretation that's sight without understanding. That's the jury so level. Benny so, word from the side. That's when we begin to think about things. We're establishing a, a viewpoint where we can begin to make an interpretation of what we see. Uh, it is sight with thought and perspective. Bolo so, getting deeper. Word from behind. I interpret this to be uh, seeing inside, being able to see through, finding the essence or the meaning of a thing, gaining insight. Now, let me say that what my work has been, and, and many of us, um, is to reach back and take uh, African language, African concepts, and then use them become creative with them so that we can apply them to our circumstance now and our needs uh, as a people. So this is my interpretation of what Dogana say. Word from behind is the literal um, uh, translation of boloso. So dai. So itself is, has been translated to be word, um, it is also meaning, it is saying, utterance. So sodai is translated as clear word. This then is sight with understanding. It is also seeing beyond the physical, it is vision. Using that paradigm, I now want to apply it to um, what we're talking about today. Let's look at the importance of culture. We've talked around it. It is essential. There are people, everybody in this room at this conference understands the importance of culture. We need to look at it politically. The organization of human experience. I say it's like a petri dish because it's an environment that grows a specific organism. It is also the immune system of a race and I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. It is the armor that protects the people against genocide. Culture is the supreme ideological force and political mechanism for collective group development. Okay, I need to know why this is not moving. There we go. African culture specifically is the unique expression of the African soul. Cultivates, nourishes, nurtures, grows, and cares for Africans. No other culture can make that state. Nothing else is going to grow Africans but African culture. Without our cultural and historical connection, we are not a people. Sekanta Jok talks about this. It is the basis of our sovereignty. It is the basis of our sovereignty. And our sovereignty is our self-governance, self-reliance, self-determination. We should also say self-definition. It is our economic independence, 
and sovereignty is our self-defense. So African culture is the grounding of our historical consciousness. It tells us who we live for and who we will die for. The question of identity is the essential ideological issue for African people. African culture makes us part of the global African family. It imparts to us the power of our ancestral heritage. It is also, it's got to be the foundation of any educational system that we have. And now, our cultural immune system. African culture is a protective mechanism. It produces warrior T cells which act to neutralize and eliminate antigens. It causes us to reject transplants of non-authentic alien foreign agents which threaten our wholeness as a people. It creates a warrior consciousness that alerts us to the attempted invasion of poisonous substances. And this is a quote from my ideological father. Africa is our center of gravity, our cultural and spiritual mother and father, our beating heart no matter where we live on the face of this earth. Cultural genocide causes cultural AIDS. The ma'afa is the destruction of the African cultural matrix. This causes cultural amnesia as it seeks to destroy our genetic memory in which is carried the immune system protective function. We become host to the Urugu virus, taking on behaviors which are beneficial to their survival. As our immune system is compromised, we contract cultural aids. Amos Wilson's uh, some thoughts on consciousness. Consciousness is a creative act, and the kind of consciousness one has will determine the kind of world one creates. Power has to do with a relationship between people. The white man's so-called power is to a large degree based on the nature of the relationship he has with the black man. We empower him by the nature of our own behavior and attitudes as a people. He cannot be what he is unless we are what we are. We waste a lot of time trying to transform him, them, when through transforming ourselves, they will be transformed automatically. The power is in our hands. That's in a small book, African-Centered Consciousness versus the New World Order. I suggest everybody get that book. came out after Blueprint. And so what I'm going to do now is to take the paradigm and, and uh, talk about it in terms of consciousness. That is our consciousness. At the level of Jiri So, remember Jiri So, okay, word from the front, lack of African or black consciousness, a denial of African ancestry, culturally con cultural confusion, mental incarceration, menticide, as Bobby Wright told us, we are unable to think or act in the interest of African people. We are possessed by European definitions. We are obsessed 
with being American. The level of any soul, we uh, begin to get a consciousness of being black, a desire to act in behalf of black people, also a desire to be equal to whites. So it's like a transitional kind of stage here. Um, we tend to judge academia as the road to success. We are not yet in a state of having a vision of ourselves as a nation. We are thinking as a people. We are thinking collectively and strong, we're all, but we're still lacking institution building at that level. Boloso, getting deeper. We're developing a national consciousness, seeking self-determination, reclaiming African culture, and beginning to study African languages and creating independent African institutions. And then Sodai. And here we come to the level, deep, deep level, where we have developed visionary leadership, root organization, mass organization, African national consciousness, and historical consciousness, which Jump and um, John Henry Clark said is so important for a people if we are to attain. Um, sovereignty. Rebuilding our cultural immune system, that's what has to happen at that level, and here we have ideological clarity. Amos Wilson, again, in that same book, says that even though the spirit of Marcus Garvey lives in the hearts of many of us, it has not manifested itself as much as it should have and as much as it can. When we look at our situation today, we see an actual decline in black economic development. What happened in terms of the legacy of Marcus Garvey? The ascendancy of the assimilationists, the integrationists, those leaders who tried to project an unreal hope that we could advance the interests of our people by identifying with the destinies of our enemies those people who tried to get us to forget our color, remember this, forget our color, our African heritage, and have suppressed those of us who are trying to maintain our African identity. We saw a nationalist and neo-colonial leadership that fell for the delusions of the so-called establishment and has misled the people into thinking that their ultimate salvation is that of identifying and becoming one with its oppressors. He wrote this way, way, way before 2008. Now we're going to take um, the paradigm and we're going to try to put some specifics in so that we get kind of a historical sense of where we've been and where we are. Sodai, the vision of African sovereignty. Palmares, 1605 to 1694. I won't read all of them, but you can see them. Can everybody see them? Can't see them too well over there. Um, Nanny, talk about the Haitian Revolution. Uh, there was a Cleveland Declaration, which people need to look at in 1854. 
um, by Delaney and H. Ford Douglas before Delaney became confused after the Civil War. And there was a lot of confusion after the Civil War. Um, the Mahdi Wars, Yasantua, Bambada, and so forth, um, these would be examples of a Sodai consciousness or an African sovereignty conference, con consciousness. Beni So, the African resistance uh, of 1450 to 1888 when we were attacked, post-emancipation, African independence movement, and so forth, uh, civil rights movement, black power movement, black studies movement, the southern student movement, these represented a Beniso level of consciousness. Boloso would be moving um, towards a more sovereign consciousness. Congress of African People, African Liberation Day Committee, uh, Nation House, Watoto Shule, Uhuru Sasa. I'm just giving examples. And there are many, many more that I have not mentioned here. And then we have Jiri So. And I'm going to read that, the first one I'm going to say. 2004 to 2010 is victory for Americanization. This period has taken us back to the 50s, in which most of our people were struggling as individuals to become an accepted part of America. It was a period of pride in being a first two. The collective movements in the South were not greatly supported. Uh, Robert Williams, not supported. In the North, Adam Clayton Powell, the Nation of Islam, held it down with collective organization of black people. November 8, 2008, this ushered in a period of all-time low in the consciousness of black leadership and therefore in the direction of our people's political movement. In the 90s, we began to experience disarray in the nationalist pan-Africanist movement. This left a void into which the assimilationist integrationists moved. We were powerless to present alternatives to capitulation. Psychologically, our people experienced a false euphoria then disappointment, then denial, and now balanced precariously on the edge of deep depression. Jerry So again, acting in fear, our leadership became a rear guard instead of a vanguard. We are without visionaries. It is as if four decades of struggle and evolution had not occurred. And then this quote that I didn't know about, that Obama just talked about us going back to the 50s, it's deep, right? We are told that there is no black America. We are sold a bill of goods that says, and listen to this carefully, that our leader is also the leader of the enemies of our people. Does that make sense? How can we have the same leader? I don't get that. That's the delusion, I think, that the word that uh, Glenn used. Sovereignty is not only honorable and noble, it embodies the highest level of political accountability and responsibility that a people can undertake. 
Sovereignty concerns the political and ideological consciousness of a people. Sovereignty germinates as a consciousness that forms core ideals of nationhood that unify and impel a people to seek and establish self-government along with their own authentic political and ideological self-identity. People who lack sovereign consciousness are bound to become politically unauthentic and find themselves parroting the words and ways and positions of whichever sovereign power they reside under. Sovereign Evolution by Ezra Aharon. Everybody needs to be reading that now so we can literally be reading from the same page. The Sovereign Movement of 2011. You're uh, involved in a process here, y'all. You're making history because we're ushering in a new old movement. Vision is seeing with the African spirit. We must consolidate African power. Only through organization will there be accountability. Only through organization will there be accountability. Otherwise, we, and though others, us who have spoken, we out here are merely loose cannons. The answer is organization. We must reinstitute systematic, mandatory, political education classes. This is something that would happen as part of the movement back in the, the 70s. We don't do that anymore. So people don't know their history. We must become disciplined warriors for our people and our ancestors. The Sovereign Movement of 2011. Baba Hannibal Afrique said, if you're going to talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. Kwame Ture, organize, organize, organize. Chinwe Izu. The problem of the 21st century is the problem of black African power, how to build it and enough of it to stop the extermination of blacks that is now in process and to guarantee the survival, dignity, and sovereign autonomy of the black world. Marcus Mosiah Garvey. The Negro peoples of the world should concentrate upon the object of building up for themselves a great nation in Africa of creating for ourselves a political super state, a government, a nation of our own, strong enough to lend protection to the members of our race scattered all over the world and to compel the respect of the nations and races of the earth. Think about when he wrote that. And Nana Professor John Henry Clark is that the salvation of Africa must be designed by the collective mind of the African world. The Arab slave trade drained Africa of its land power and organization to the extent that Africans did not have the organized strength to totally resist the European slave trade. In Africa, there is a need for a generation of Africans to be educated in Africa by Africans for the express purpose of serving Africa. All Africans living outside of Africa should be committed to devoting at least part of their time and their talent to the preservation and the enhancement of Africa. The industrialization and the total reconstruction of Africa should not be left to the Africans who live in Africa. This should be a world mission of African people wherever they are on the face of this earth. 
there is a need for a Pan-African mission that will transcend national borders, cultural and religious differences, and political preference. And this comes from my sister com comrade, the vision of spiritual warfare, Mama Jerry Price, Nana Akua Afriye. The essence of African revolutionary activity is to destroy that which destroys us and to rebuild within an African context and African tradition. We have survived because of our imagination, inventiveness, and spiritual energy. The African revolution is a process, not an event. Our revolutionary responsibility is to let every word that should be, every act, political and personal, be filled with a meaning that adds to the revolutionary process. African revolution is like a sacred ritual, a process in which our drums continually call together the ancestors and the living. Pan-Africanism is a revolutionary concept. Wherever we are on this earth, we are an African people. We have been developing concept of African spiritual warfare in Atlanta every uh, May. We come together for Abakasim Sunsun, which is the spirit of history, and we honor the spirit of Nana John Henry Clark and other warrior ancestors. According to African spiritual knowledge, when we choose to be born African, we also choose to fulfill the promise that we made to ourselves as we were being criminally kidnapped and separated from everything that we loved, taken from the motherland. This is a concept that comes from Baba Amura. We promise to engage in victorious struggle against our collective enemies and to reconnect Africans with each other wherever we were, are. As our ancestors reborn, we have a mission, a sacred purpose, to reclaim African sovereignty and to build a pan-African world order based on the principles of Ma'at. In order to fulfill our mission, we must put in place a system of accountability. We must be prepared to answer to each other, to our ancestors, our parents and our children, and to their children's children. This is the meaning of African spiritual warfare. We gather together on these occasions to ask our warrior ancestors for the courage to confront truth, to do ma'at, and to organize ourselves for self-government. And now I want you to close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. And I want you to imagine... Imagine that you are a citizen of a, the world African nation, which has a land base in Africa and is the center of power for Africans wherever they are on the face of this earth. Imagine that you are a participant in a convention on health care for African people held at a giant, well-equipped, efficiently operated conference center owned by the government of your nation. Imagine that you have received excellent health care, which is paid for by the government of the world African nation, 
your government. Imagine that your children attend a school that is training them for nation management and that the teachers and the administrators of the school are all African. Imagine that the products that your people use are produced in manufacturing plants owned and operated by the citizens of the world African nation. Imagine that you are part of the defense force of the world African nation. Imagine what sovereignty looks like. You can open your eyes. That was not a dream. That was a vision. And so our children, between 9 and 12 years old, have told us, therefore, it is real. Because it's real if we make it real. Mandasi. So those were some of the high highlights, high highlights, yeah, I said it, <laughs> of the um, Black Psychology Conference. Um, again, it was it was a great, great experience. I'm glad um, that I did it. They, I, I may have some more coming from it. Again, like I said, um, Sister Tawede Grills, who's the um, president of the association now, she did a great presentation with another brother dealing with a con cosmology and using it and ideology using it for how to use that for uh, mental wellness and mental health and other specific types of things that she's already doing with it over on the West coast. And so I may um, see if I can clean that up, you know, and make it listen toable. That's a word now um, here over the, um, Africa's Reascension show. Um, and then there, there was a few other good talks as well. have to see if I want to share some of those at later dates. But <clears throat> um, I'm pretty sure there won't be a show next week. Again, like I say, August has been a busy, busy month for me. Um, but the week after that, more than likely, we'll go ahead and pick up with part two of standards of being African. As I said at the beginning of the show, folks have been jumping on the, the, the part one very well. And so, peace, peace. And so, um, definitely got to do a part two because we got to finish it up. There's more to it. Um, and, and I'm not going to rush through it, so there could be a part three, because we need to know that there are standards for this. This willy-nilly African approach ain't getting us nowhere, and there are standards. And so, so yeah, so that will probably be done in two weeks. So please click on the links. Er. Please click on the links. To sh we'll go ahead. Won't do any overtime. Um, let folks download this and um, play it and check it out at your leisure. Um, 
tell your friends about the show. Madasi, thank you so much, everyone, for the support that you've lended and been given um, to us. Um, and and the, 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 the one-year anniversary is quickly approaching, so we will have an anniversary show. I'm working on that as we speak as well. Um, continue to support us. Abibi Fahodie, Total African Liberation. Yabedi Inconim, we will be victorious. See everyone in two weeks. system of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh, oh. All right.